Happy 2024, everybody. It's Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker with our first podcast of the new year as we resume regular service with an eye toward returning to our usual 11 a.m. time slot in mid to late February, sometime around the 20th. And well, as we've been telling you, you know, we've been prepared for emergency podcasts since we last spoke and we'll we'll still be on call 24-7 and Yes, there are still some intriguing free agents out there, and yes, maybe there are trades to be made, but, uh, geez, Barker, it's the first week of January, and all I've got for folks is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Kevin Kiermeyer, and a promise from the front office of better coaching and information management. Yeah, it just sure, sure sounds like the, the internal uh, thought process is the khakis need to stay out of the way, and when you listen to Ross, that was sort of the message, right, is they're going to put a lot of emphasis on the coaches they brought up, obviously, or, or I guess you called up, gave a promotion to Matt Haig. You know, that would tell you that there's going to be some guys from that AAA team being called up or, you know, I would assume maybe one or two are making the team. Uh, that will help the conversation along when it just comes to, you know, hitting the ground running and having a familiar face that, you know, when it's struggling, you have somebody to lean on. Does Matt have anything to do with the people that matter on that team offensively, everyday guys? No. I mean, uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, uh, all the main guys, Dalton Varsho, George Springer, you name a guy that plays every single day that's been there, ain't got to go to Matt Haig and ask him what he's doing. So, you know, I, I again, this is sort of – Oh, you know, I, would you say it's disappointing? I will. Like, I I expected more. Like, the way the season ended, I don't know about you, Jeff, but the way the season ended and the way you heard, uh, you know, finger-pointing, I mean, let's be honest. Basically, that's what it was, and this is what you're getting from the organization and, you know, the the just the emphasis of, of the way they're pointing it and, and trying to, you know, put all the, the – the, the the I guess pressure on the coaches to try and get the best out of all every single one of these guys. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. Like you know, we 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 watched this team. We've seen offensively what they can't do, and for them to expect more and to expect, especially where the Yankees are at, the Orioles are at. You know, it's going to be right now. I got to be honest. If you if the season started tomorrow, you could say that they're fighting for third place. Just me. Yeah, well, and and here's the thing. I mean, you know, let's let's just say this right now. It is January fourth. Um, we got a lot of time left until spring training. We got a lot of time before the start of the regular season. There are still a lot of free agents out there. There are still trades to be made. You know, um, and and when when Ross Atkins addressed the media earlier this week, you know, I kind of. It kind of amazes me that there are people in our industry, media people, who expect a general manager to come on and do a news conference and outline in detail how the offseason is progressing, right? And we're going to go after this guy. We're going to go after this guy. We're going to make this trade. I mean, that's that's just not the way any general manager does it. I mean, there just isn't. So, Yes, there's still time left to make moves, but we know this much from Ross Atkins. He certainly seems to be reluctant to trade players off of the Jays roster, and every general manager is going to say that. No general manager is going to come on and say, you know what, actually, we're going to trade anybody. Like, there's nobody that's untouchable. Most general managers aren't going to say that. Clearly, this general manager is not. 
Um, but you know, look, the focus seems to be on doubling down on analytics and coaching. And the thing that kept coming through in Ross's re- recent availability, Kevin, was the notion that 2023, that the lack of offense was a quote unquote blip. And, you know, look, in a certain, from a certain point of view, what Ross Atkins said makes sense because let's, let's face it. Even if the Jays had gone out and added multiple players by free agency, you're still going to need better years from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Alejandro Kirk for this team to go where it wants to go. So I'm not sitting here and saying that Ross Atkins was wrong by saying there has to be some internal improvement. But, you know, look, essentially this front office, you know, which is, uh, hasn't won a playoff series since it's been here, uh, you know, won fewer regular season games last year than it did in 2022. I mean, they're basically saying, they're basically saying, trust us. And, um, to, you know, I mean, I'll say this for Ross. Uh, you know, we spent the last two years saying, boy, he's got to get it done this year. This is a big year for him. If he doesn't get this done, his job's in jeopardy. I think a lot of us thought at the end of last year, his job is in je- jeopardy. I mean, I, Ross Atkins certainly isn't acting like a guy who feels that his job's in jeopardy right now. He seems very confident with the, uh, you know, with the direction of the team. Yeah, look, I, I, I this is just me. I, I, I think going into the offseason, I expected them to, to to surround Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with whatever he needed to, to turn the corner. Right, the barrel percentage of the last couple of years with Vladdy's way down. I mean, let's be honest and. Him being able to lay off of things he should not be swinging at because we talk about him in that elite category just hasn't happened. And in the offseason, bringing in Matt Haig, that's going to do it. Like, I, uh, this is for you to sell this to a fan base with everything you just mentioned, with them not winning games that, quite frankly, against teams they should be winning against. And you tried to sell this and just not surrounding your best hitter. I I just don't understand it, right? And that for me, if Blatty doesn't figure this thing out, Jeff, you know as well as anybody, after the first month of the season, dude's going to be losing their jobs. And that starts with the manager, right? It's how do you fix that? If you're not going to bring anybody in and you're expecting coaches to figure this out and you're relying on Matt Haig to get – you know, Schneiders and the Horowitz and the Relvis Martinez's and the Bargers of the world to come up and contribute and try and help this team, you know, make the playoffs, right? Let's face it, Yankees are better. The Orioles might be the best team in the American League. There's it's not going to be the easiest thing to do. You would just think that they would help Blatty out a little bit more. And for me, it's head-scratching. Like, I... I just don't understand that part of it. Obviously, the last couple of years, he's not been able to do this on his own. And for them not to go out and do whatever it takes to help him be better at just being himself. I mean, I just, uh, we had David Ortiz on saying he could basically be one of the best right hitters to ever face, to ever hit in in the big leagues. And the last couple of years, we just haven't seen that. And, that for me is a little bit of the frustrating part of it is until he starts squaring more baseballs up, I just don't see it. And that for me is you either go out and try and find a coach that can help or you surround him with better hitters. They've done neither. That for me is head scratching. 
you know, Kevin, I wonder if the other way to look at this is that the organization has, it was already quietly planning to uh, make a major pivot, right? Post Vladdy and Bo. Um, you know, we've got two years left of those guys before they become free agents. So look, and, and you know, maybe from the Blue Jays' point of view, there isn't much sense in tossing a six or seven year contract at a guy like Cody Bellinger, for example. I mean, I, I wrote this on SportsNASA. In some ways, I'll give the Blue Jays credit for not being held hostage by Scott Boris and Cody Bellinger. You know, look, I, I'm I understand putting your offseason plans on hold for a guy like Shohei Otani, right? I understand maybe not making the deal for Juan Soto because you were focused on getting Shohei Otani. I'm okay with that. Shohei Otani is going to come around. I mean, he's going to come around once. But in Bellinger's case, you're talking about a player whose attractiveness owes more to the weakness of the market than it does to his brilliance, right? I mean, there would be free agent years where Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger wouldn't be the second best available free agent in a lot of markets. This year he is. Down, so you know maybe what the Blue Jays' approach is is look, uh, maybe you add a guy like you know we've heard Jock Peterson or or maybe a Justin Turner or a JD Martinez on a one or two year deal, try to keep some flexibility for what you're going to have to do beyond Bo and Vladdy. I mean it, it's it, it's an idea at least. Yeah, I mean the, look, there's there's other ways they can go right you could go still with the Solaire thing you could go still with the jd martinez right they they need to for me anyway jeff they still don't have a cleanup hitter i mean who's hitting cleanup opening day if opening day was two or three days from now like that is just and to be able to try and sell this to a fan base with everything that you outlined with the outcome of the last couple of seasons i just don't get it right it's I mean, I, I know what I feel about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but with what they're trying to surround him with and just the, the tools that optically, I'm sure they're trying everything they can try behind closed doors, but man, alive. Like, he just seems like that guy that needs that guy that when he walks by, I've told you this, I've had enough conversations that are with him and that with people around him that sometimes because of how young he is and how much he wants to help this organization win a World Series, he needs that guy to just say, how did it get you out last time? Look for this. Sometimes you just need that guy to simplify it. Matt Haig is the answer. I just, look, uh, okay, yeah, let's, let's get back to, it. okay, let's, let's take a, let's just take a time out here. Let's just take a time out here because, I don't want, we're kind of focusing too much on Matt Haig. I mean, Matt Haig is brought up, has been brought up in assist, as an assistant hitting coach. That's going to give them three hitting coaches, Mattingly, Guillermo Martinez, and Matt Haig. I mean, I think the Jays are trying to sell Matt Haig as a cure-all. Frankly, I think it's, first of all, I think it's a promotion as a result of good work in AAA. Uh, sure. And, you know, maybe it is preparing the ground for Addison Barger and Arelvis Martinez to come up later in the year. But, Kevin, I don't think this means that Addison Barger and Arelvis Martinez are both going to be in the opening day roster. Like, I, th I think we need to, and, and I know there was a lot of that, you know, on social media after the announcement. Oh, great, Matt Haig's going to be our major acquisition. Well, not really. 
you know, it's just, it's a, it's an internal move that was made. So I don't want to like turn this into a, you know, all they're going to do is bring up Matt Hagen. That's not, that's not going to make a difference. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I'm, I, I'm, I think you have to be a little careful with that because that yeah, feeds into the narrative out there that that's all they're going to do. Obviously, Matt Haig knows what he's talking about, right? The, the the numbers speak for themselves, and you you talk to people that's been around him. He knows how to speak it, right? That's the biggest thing, right? Is you know you know have to know when to not speak. He seems to know how to do that, which is good for him. You know, you earned it. You get called up. I'm just saying, with what we've heard from Ross and what they have not done, and the expectations that's being put on the coaching staff. Not my words, Ross's words, and the players that are already here. He made it a point to mention how, you know, much confidence they got in the core. The core includes Vladdy. That's the thing, right, is if you're not going to go out and get him help, surround him with guys that just, you know, don't need a guy to walk up and tell them how to lay off a oo breaking ball, how to lay off a sinker in off the plate and not swing at that, then – that's my point is I'm not trying to downplay that Matt Haig deserves to be called up. Absolutely not. Obviously, he knows how to speak the language to the guys that he's been around. I'm just saying, right, the Horowitz of the world and the Relvis Martinez's and the Bargers of the world is not going to be the reason why they make the playoffs. It's going to be the Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s turning the corner and hitting more barrels. That's my point, mm. and I just don't, Jeff, I just don't understand that part of it. I, It's, again, you know me. I don't come on here speaking it just to be speaking it. I've been around and had enough conversations to know that every once in a while, Vladdy just needs that calming voice, that guy to say, this is why. Go look for this, and for whatever reason, he doesn't have that, and I'll be interested to see if he can turn the quarter and be that better guy because of the of, as of now he is the guy and we say this every single year but because of what they haven't added to the team it just puts more emphasis on that that's all all right let's talk about isaiah kiner falefa and kevin kiermeyer isaiah is going to join us in a few minutes by the way on blair and barker and you know look i i've, I've said this about kevin kiermeyer he's one of the few human beings to actually make run prevention fun yeah and isaiah kind of falafel i mean he, he's a handy guy to have right you know he's played multiple positions uh he's a former gold glove winner at third base but i guess kevin neither acquisition seems to address this team's lack of offense right i mean i'm not even talking about the fact that you know, again, this is a fan base that just uh, a couple of weeks ago had visions of Shohei Otani in its lineup. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying that, you know, I, I look at Isaiah kind of Falefa and I ask myself, all right, what does this mean for Santiago Espinal? What does this mean for Kevin Biggio? Maybe less for Kevin Biggio because he's left-handed. What does this mean for Davis Schneider? I get the importance of versatility. But in some ways, it seems as if this move is is redundant. It's kind of more of what you already have. So let's look at those two moves separately. Let's start, first of all, with Kevin Kiermaier. Um, you know, obviously, defensive center fielder. Uh, it was a very good defensive outfield last year. We joke about run prevention, but it is the one thing this team 
this team does well. In Kevin's media availability, he talked a little bit, and this, I think, kind of concerned us a little bit. He talked a bit about wanting to start backspinning the ball more, using his lower half. You know, he said, I, I'm not going, look, I'm not going to go out there and try to hit home runs, but maybe I'm going to try to do a little more than I did last year when, you know, he famously said, I just want to lead, I want to lead the league in singles. You know, I want to get in the base so the other guys can drive me in. Uh, look, I like Kevin Kiermaier the way he was last year. I don't think it's his fault that the lineup turned out the way it did. Were you a little surprised to hear him almost say it seemed to me that he wants to go back to being more like the guy he was when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays? Jeff, it means human being. Uh, you know, all human beings want to, want to feel wanted. And, you know, he sort of started that whole spiel by saying that you know there wasn't a lot of options like the the Blue Jays were you know one of the only ones he had other teams that would say he'd be the 26th guy and he would rarely play I mean that's basically what it sounded like so when you sort of hear that it's it's hard to take right I mean he he played a little bit more when he did play he was you know an elite outfielder might be the best center fielder in baseball defensively he he saved runs and you know offensively he thought he was a little bit better than he had been. He was thinking more up the middle the other way than, you know, party out front. And when you don't get a lot of conversations from other teams, maybe other teams are trying to tell you we need a little bit more party out front. And, you know, you're you're needing some adjustments. So, I, look, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with, you know, I don't need Kevin Kiermaier to hit 290. I need Kevin Kiermaier to play great defense, uh, get on base, maybe steal a base or two, and occasionally hit the three-run homer. Like, I, I'm... I think he is saying to everybody uh, that maybe it would be nice for him and everybody else to see the three-run homer, so I'm okay with that. That Look, this is, you know, I, I think teams that are that are trying to go where the Blue Jays are going could do worse than Kevin Kiermaier playing center field a lot of the times. All right. Uh, explain Isaiah Kinder for laughing to me. Well, I think he's a cheaper Whit Berryfield, right? That's what it is. You either pay one year of an older Whit Berryfield at not what was it, nineteen million, or you give a a younger uh, two year deal to Isaiah Connor Falefa at fifteen million. I look, is the fifteen million too much for two forty here? It takes six summers, yeah. But I don't think that's the point on this team right now. They don't have an everyday third baseman, and if, again, if the season starts in a couple of days, he's it. So, look, I, I. <laughs> I would think this would be a really bad look if he's the last piece they add. This gets back to that Vladdy thing. And I, I, I look, would he be the final piece on a really good team? Yeah. Again, you, you need these kind of guys. Like these, the cat, he's a khaki's dream. You know, a guy that's got seven or eight different gloves that is not going to hurt you defensively. Uh, is he a work in progress at shortstop? Yeah. I don't think you want to see him if you're a Jays fan playing a lot of shortstop. But is he a good enough third baseman? Yeah. Does he have a strong enough arm to play right field? Probably not. Is he a good enough at getting good jumps, running good routes, playing center field twice a week? Maybe. You know, and, you know, I even hear him talking about, Jeff, you're going to love this, playing some small ball, right? Getting a guy over, hitting behind the runner, doing some butt, which made me cringe a little bit. But this is how, you know, sort of, I think maybe you want that 24, 25th, 25th, 26 guy on a really good team to talk and act and be. And 
Other than the money, I'm okay, I think, with a, an Isaiah Kiderfalefa for being on your team and in your organization trying to win a championship. I just wonder what it means for the other guys, though. I mean, you know, Ross Atkins talked about uh, he threw Santiago Espinal's name in to the third base mix along with uh, a, a lo- along with Kevin Biggio. And, you know, listen, it, it, in my perfect world, Kevin uh, Biggio is at second base platooning with somebody. You know, maybe Davis Schneider, but that's where I want Kevin Biggio in my perfect world. Maybe played a bit of right field, maybe you know, maybe playing at first base every now and then, basically doing what he did last year for the most part. But, you know, look, I, Matt Chapman didn't give you much offensively for, you know, five months of the season. But Kevin, going from Matt Chapman to Espinal, Biggio, Kyber Falefa, that's still a bit of a drop-off. Yeah, you could understand. You, you can understand why fans are a little confused like they you know and hoping and and fingers crossed that this is not the only move this is not the final piece and I think again this gets back to the Ross availability and hearings occasionally I'm not saying and I know you started your thing of you know that it's not the GM's job to come out and and lay out the blueprint on what they're trying to do but occasionally it would be nice to throw away it's not good enough like us losing two games to the Twinkies not good enough we're going to do better. And I just think going into the offseason, he sort of had a little room there to sort of mold the team a little differently, right? You could use your left fielder. You could use the third base spot. You got a couple of guys at second that could give you different looks. And, you know, you could do some different things, bring us some different guys. I say it kind of for Leffa. I think for me anyway, if you're a Jays fan, I think this is why they're a little confused on what's going on and, and, what the ultimate end here is. And, you know, I'm with you. It just didn't seem like there was any urgency, at least for me anyway, with Ross talking about just, we need to make this team better. Offensively, they were not good enough. Jeff, did we hear that? No, we heard we have confidence in the core like eight different times. We heard there's more emphasis on the coaching staff. Okay. I mean, good players. You let when you watch the World Series, the better players won. Right now, the Blue Jays don't have better players, and for me and the fan base, that I think is the confusing part. Yeah. Again, I'm going to uh, mention though that uh, we still have a lot of time ahead before the uh, we before did, yeah. spring training and before the regular season, and then you know, it is entirely possible that uh, that uh, you know moves are made even even later in the spring, but. Um, yeah, listen, I get, I get the, I, I get the reaction from, um, not and and not just fans because I, I hate always saying fan base, fan base, fan base because look, uh, a lot of times people in the media use the word fans because they don't have the balls to say their own names. But yeah, I, I think there are a lot of people in 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 the media who need who 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 don't have trust in Ross Atkins and and that that gets through to the you know to the fan base whoever is whoever is consuming that, that media. But I just, I don't know what, I don't know what people expected Ross to say. He came out and confirmed what we already knew about Shohei Otani. Um, and, you know, predictably, it was painted in some quarters as, oh, the Blue Jays were manipulated. Well, I, I get back to this. Would you rather the Jays didn't go after Shohei Otani? Yeah, you know, I, I understand if you're not first, 
you know, if you finish second in a free agent race, it doesn't matter. You weren't first, you didn't win. But this idea, it's like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You're damned if you do go after him and don't get him, and then you're the cheap Blue Jays if if you don't go after him. Um, from, from where I am, and I talked about this a lot last year, my biggest concern last year was... I thought this team looked like a team that had to very quickly go to a plan B because, quote-unquote, something didn't work out. And I think we saw that last year, right? It looked to me like this was very much a team composed of second options. Um, that's going to be the case this year if your first option was Shohei Otani. You know, I mean, fans are smart enough to recognize that, but... You know, and this gets back to something that I, I thought about at the end of last season. It seems to me that what this fan base wants more than anything else, like leaving aside Shohei Otari, I think what the fans want more than anything else is they really wanted a team that had won a playoff series by now. I think the biggest selling point for this organization the biggest selling point it could possibly have is, hey, we want a playoff series. We are good enough that we can be a contender in the postseason. I'm not talking about the regular season anymore. I'm talking about the postseason. And other than getting Shohei Otani, I don't know how you repair whatever damage was done in the offseason. You know, even Cody, he, even Cody Bellinger, if, they, if Cody Bellinger ends up signing, and everybody agrees he's the second best available free agent, but if Cody Bellinger signs here, to me, he's not a guy that moves the needle that much because no. he's 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 going to make your lineup better. But again, you're you're getting a, a player with a lot of flaws. There's no guarantee based on his track record that he is he's going to be the guy that gets you that gets you over the hump. So well um, I think this in in some ways the Jays were put in a difficult spot this offseason. By not winning a playoff series, that you know, that to me is the thing that really stands out about this organization. Is we've had Bo and Vladdy for all these years, these two great prospects, and they haven't won a playoff series. And more to the point, those two guys haven't played particularly well in the playoffs. Yeah, rug provision's not a whole lot of fun to watch, Jeff. I mean, you've said this. How many times you say that at the end of the season last year? Like it's it's. You know these three to two games and and four to three games they're they're hard to do and I talk to the pitching coach a lot you talk to the pitchers a lot I talk to the pitchers a lot I mean we're around that it's not the easiest thing to do it puts a lot of pressure on guys to perform and go out there and you know do things that you know quite frankly on an on an everyday basis when they're taking the ball is not the easiest thing to do and occasionally they just need they're lined up to bludgeon teams for about a week or two. You think the lineup can do that? Like that? I think that for me is just sort of the the theme of this is now as a Blue Jays fan, you're going into spring training and the season praying that a Kevin Gosman doesn't miss a ton of time. Because if they do, because of what the Yankees have done and how good the Orioles are, you may be so far behind in the American League East, it would be hard to make that up. So, there's some frustration there, and I, you know, quite frankly, you can understand it. 
Well, as we said, there's still a lot of time left before spring training. Certainly a lot of time left before the start of the regular season. Lots of time for uh, Ross Atkins to hopefully make a few more moves. I love your optimism. I love it. I love this new Jeff Blair. I don't think this is necessarily the finished product, but we do know that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa will be with the Blue Jays this year. He signed a two-year, $15 million contract. Isaiah Kiner Falafa joins us next. It's Blair and Barker, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the JD Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In 2023, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa became just the third New York Yankee in 110 years to make 85 starts in a season and appear defensively at second base, third, short, and all three outfield positions. He is a former gold glover at third base, is signing by the Blue Jays to a two-year, $15 million contract, was lauded by former Yankees hitting coach and MLB analyst Sean Casey who described Kiner Falefa as, quote, a great hitter with two strikes and a hitter who, quote, can put the ball in play. Now, considering how close Sean Casey is to Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins from their time in Cleveland, and we know that the Jays have talked to him about jobs in the past, uh, you'd have to think Sean Casey's word is highly regarded in this front office. Isaiah Kiner Falefa's the newest member of the Toronto Blue Jays, and we're very pleased to be joined by him now on Blair and Barker. Isaiah, thanks so much for joining us today. Give us an idea of how the talks went with the Blue Jays, and and what for you did did the decision come down to? Um, you know, I had a lot of in, a lot of interest out there, more than I anticipated. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, the Blue Jays have all the pieces in place. They got a, a great young core. Um, they got great pitching. Uh, they played really good defense last year. Um, and it was just, you know, being on the other side of it, just, you know, seeing how good the team can be. And, um, you know, I love the city as well. So I think for the most part, it was an easy decision. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to be a Blue Jay. Isaiah, what, what were you most curious about going into free agency? I was more, you know, I was really curious about where I was going to play. I didn't know what position exactly. Um, I had a lot of opportunities um, in different scenarios. So it was, um, you know, it was a fun, very fun process. Uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, the situation felt right with the Blue Jays. And, uh, you know, it's just a, an opportunity to stay in the East Coast. And, um, you know, it was good baseball in the East Coast. You know, Isaiah, was there any concern? We've talked to other free agents. And I think with Shohei Otani on the market, a lot of, a lot of free agents were kind of wondering if that was going to hold up you know, hold up the market in general, even though there might have only been a couple of teams in on him. Uh, what, was that any concern in your part going into this whole process that because that it was going to be such a unique year that you may have to be a bit more patient? Yeah, I think that was uh, that was on everyone's mind. That was a free agent. It's definitely on mine. Um, just waiting around. Once he got off the board, then you're waiting for Yamamoto. Um, and once those two guys got off the board, I expected it to, to pick up. Um, still really hasn't picked up yet. Um, so I guess we can't really use the Otani as a, a real excuse. So um, I think it's just slow in general this year. 
Uh, you're valued for your versatility, obviously. Which position have you really had to work hard at to, you know, feel like you're really good at it? Uh, third base is my most natural position. Uh, shortstop as well. Uh, this past year was the first time I've ever picked up an outfield glove and, and ran around out there. So that was definitely new to me. I had a great time out there, and I found myself having a lot more value being able to play out there, um, which, you know, really helped me with this opportunity. So I'm really excited, um, you know, but I really do think that third base and shortstop my two best positions. I was going to say one of the things Ross Atkins told us during his media availability this week was that one of the available pathways for playing time for you was third base. And I mean, unless the Blue Jays re-sign Matt Chapman or make a deal, that spot does seem open. Did When they were talking to you, did they break down for you how they envisioned you being used and how much time you might spend at third base or... You know, look, you're a veteran. You can read a 40-man roster as much as anybody, I imagine. Did you even need you to pitch them on it? Or, I'm sorry, did uh, you even need them to pitch you on it? It was it was more of, you know, the opportunities. Um, I had different opportunities. So the Blue Jays seemed like it was a – it just seemed like a good fit all around where, um, you know, if they do bring Chapman back, then I can move around in the outfield and, and, and you know, some other infield spots as well. And, and that's where the versatility – um, really allows the Blue Jays um, the flexibility to go out and, you know, search for different things. So I think, um, you know, I think they were straight up with me from the beginning um, with what could happen and, and you know, just the moving parts. So uh, I, I really like that straight up, um, you know, kind of attitude. And um, I'm just looking looking forward to helping the team in at any position. It doesn't really matter to me. Isaiah, I, after six years in the big leagues, where do, where do you think your offense is at? Um, I think I made huge strides last year. Um, if you look at my year, um, if you look at May to the beginning of August when I was getting, you know, my, my playing time last year, I felt like that's when I really changed my swing was entering May. Um, and I felt like I had three really, really good months. Um, and in September, I really just didn't play at all uh, with all the young kids coming up. And, you know, we we're kind of out of the playoff race. But if you look at my, my May to the beginning of August, that was like – that was the best I think I've, I've fit in my career in a while. So I'm really excited uh, for what's ahead. I love sitting in Rogers Center. Um, I feel like I do things that help the team win, even though they're not on the stat sheet. And I'm just looking forward, you know, to, to helping the team in any way. Sean Casey was interviewed. Uh, and, of course, Sean was the hitting coach last year for a while with the Yankees and with the MLB Network. And it was a terrific hitter himself when – when he played, and he talked about you being a great hitter with two strikes. You can put the ball in play. But he also mentioned that he thought you made some changes that might unlock a little more power. Can you talk a little bit about that? And, you know, when you are joining a team that, you know, you talked about doing a lot of different things to help the team, but, I mean, this is a team that does that does need power. Can you talk a little bit about how that sort of fits into your thinking and how it will fit into your thinking once you get to spring training? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to play my game. My game is to use my speed, put the ball in play, and to try and hit for a high average. Um, but if you look at my year, like I started my swing changes in the beginning of May last year. So, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I think that they speak for itself from, you know, May to August of, of when I really started, started that. So um, I'm excited to just keep building off of that. And, you know, I, I don't think – I'm just excited to go and show it, really. So I am just can't wait to get out there and – and play my game and, you know, do what, do what I need to do. 
Isaiah, obviously, you, you know, every baseball player goes through adjustments when it comes to having different conversations with different kinds of coaches. You know, you went from Texas to the Yankees. Now you're going from the Yankees to the Blue Jays. You you mentioned you've made some mechanical changes. What do you think the challenges will be, you know, sitting down with the three hitting coaches that the Jays have and saying, you know, I like this part of it? Because you know as well as in, you've been around long enough to know that sort of certain hitting coaches and, you know, the analytics department sort of want to put their thumbprint on certain kind of players. You think there'll be some challenges there with just the conversation with I like this part of it, you know, sort of kind of stay out of my way and let me figure this part of it out. What do you think about that? Uh, I think I'm very open-minded. If you look at the track record uh, the Blue Jays have for producing hitters, it's uh, it's on a different level. Um, you know, you got Bichette there. You got Vladdy. Uh, you've seen Biggio's big turnaround the second half last year. Um, and you look at Kirk, Jansen. These are all guys that, that have been through the organization and have – really turn themselves into really good big league players and, and really good hitters. Um, so just seeing the success that a lot of those guys had, like I, I would be, you know, would it, it'd be dumb for me to go in and, and not try to listen. So I'm really excited for, for what they have because of, of the things that they've done and the turnarounds that they've, you know, helped players with. So um, I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to working with them and, and seeing what's the difference between uh, the Yankees and the Blue Jays as far as um, the hitting philosophies go. Isaiah, what did you make of the Blue Jays as an opponent, both with Texas and then with the Yankees? Uh, they're a real threat. Uh, I think the pitching staff is, uh, took a big step forward last year. The defense took a huge step forward. Uh, if you look at the offensive numbers, the fact that they were able to you know, even make the playoffs and find ways to win just shows how much of a special group this is. So I, I'm really excited. and um, you know, it, It's a, definitely a, a scary team to play against, so I'm excited to be on the same side. Isaiah, last one for me. I, I have to ask an Aaron Judge question. You know, being from afar, it's special. Like, he's a giant human. He's a unicorn. You know, we talk about unicorns in baseball. Him being that big and being able to do things to baseballs, to all parts of the field, some kind of special. Tell us something we don't know about him that you can't see between the lines that off the field might be impressive that we'd be interested in hearing about. I think uh, he's just as impressive off the field as he is on the field. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, he's taught me a lot. We've got really close over the last couple of years. And, you know, he's really – he's a professional. Um, the guy has a key to New York pretty much, and you wouldn't even know. He's uh, he's down to earth. He's humble. Um, you know, he's in his prime right now, and he's he's, he's going to keep killing it. Um, you know, but Vladdy and Bo are really the, the next generation of this game. From what That's what I believe. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to be here and watch these guys – flourish the same way I was able to watch Judgey flourish on the other side. So um, I can't wait to see what's ahead for those two guys because I know the sky's the limit for them. Isaiah, listen, man, we really appreciate you joining us today. Again, uh, welcome to Toronto, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in Florida for a few week, in a few weeks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Good uh, luck. Good luck. To, to do this again. Isaiah Kinder for left yeah. joining us on Blair and Barker. So, Kevin, um, there you go. It's an in, it's been an interesting year for free agents. Obviously, with the the Otani thing uh, hanging out there, and it has been a bit of a slow market, hasn't it? I think we both thought that there'd be a few more free agents off the board right now. Yeah, I think so. Look, I I, I think it takes you know you got the big boy Otani off the board. I think they're you know because of who 
you know, agent is sort of involved in all the other free agents, you know, is not, he's not afraid to take a little time and, and, you know, not be in too big of a hurry to have his free agent signed. I'm not sure this is shocking. I just think, you know, the really good teams need to have a little urgency here and start getting their team in line. And, and, you know, it's sort of, I think hopefully here sooner than later, you'll, you'll start to see some, some big time names trickle off the board. I, you know, Isaiah Connor Falefa, he'll be a good fit for this team. Like, I, you know, I don't think he's going to move the needle a ton, but he ain't going to hurt this team, Jeff. Like, defensively, he's going to be there, right? You know, it's, he could play a lot of positions. He can give a lot of everyday guys some days off. You know, if a guy needs to DH, he can come in and fill a position. I mean, he could play third probably really well defensively, which is a big deal. I just think it's the offensive side, right? You know, everybody else that we think is carrying the load is carrying the load. You know, he can hit 240. If they're not, can you have too many 240s in the lineup? I think that's where they'll, you know, they'll start to hit some bumps in the road if some other guys that you expect to have big-time seasons are not having big-time seasons. But he ain't going to hurt his team. I think we're a little shocked about the money, but other than that, right, defensively he's good. And I do think the scouting reports that he can bring over from the Yankees to tell guys like the Springers of the world and you know, the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors. How did the Yankees? What did the Yankees think of us? Like, yeah, it's a big deal, right? How they how are they gonna get us out? How was you know one of their big time pitchers trying to get us out in big time moments? I think that can only help the Blue Jays. So yeah, he's a it's a pretty good addition. He's not gonna hurt them. No, and the thing it does do is it does allow the Blue Jays uh, it gives them a certain amount of versatility down the road should they want to make any type of a deal. You know, maybe a deal involving I don't know, Kevin Biggio. That's not gonna uh, not necessarily a deal that moves the needle, but if they do have to throw a player in to get a deal across the, you know, to, to get a deal across the line, and certainly having a guy like Isaiah Kiner Falefa allows you to maybe move one of those guys. I think it's also clear, frankly, that as an organization, I don't think they necessarily think that Davis Schneider has a position in the field. You know, I, I think that's one of the other things we can we can read into this. Yeah, also, too, you got to remember, I don't think it's going to take away game plans from the rotation, right? Because he can play third the way he can play third, right? You're going to attack a certain guy, get some weak contact, but because you do have confidence in his defense at third base. And, and I think that's a big asset, too. Again, I look, he ain't the finishing piece. He ain't going to move the needle enough to make them the front runner to win the American League East. But he ain't going to hurt them. And I think this is, you know, sort of what they need to do. But they still need that big piece. I'll say it and I'll continue to say it. They want to be a legit contender to win the East and go, you know, at least to winning a playoff series. Get a cleanup hitter. How about you start there? You do that, then we can have a serious conversation because of the way they play defense and the way they can pitch. Tell you what, it's a new year, but it seems like we're talking about the same topics we were talking about <laughs> late in 2023, doesn't it? It really does. Absolutely. Kevin, uh, as always, it's a uh, pleasure sharing a mic with you. Again, a reminder that uh, you can subscribe to the Blair and Barker podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please leave a rating and a review. Uh, we'll be doing this every week. And uh, my DMs are open. We will be taking listener questions. We'll be getting around to those probably in the next week or so. And, well, as we always say, we are always available. 
always available to do an emergency podcast in the event that the Blue Jays do something that uh, necessitates it. Another reminder, we will be back on the air on Sportsnet 590 Defense starting February 20th. Around February 20th, I should say, we will be on from 11 to noon Eastern in Sportsnet 590 Defense. So, for all of us here at Larry Barker, thanks for joining us. Chat next week.